Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. All right, how many of you are ready for the service? You're ready for the message, you're ready to be engaged, you're ready to hear what God has for us. Well, thank you once again for being here. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Pastor Chris. Um, I am just honored that you've chosen to come out and be with us today. What a great crowd we have uh, today. It's amazing how a, a small child can fill in the blanks, right? Love seeing their smiley faces and the excitement that they have this morning. Uh, moms and dads, I encourage you, do not pass your cell phone to your child and say, disengage at this moment, watch Spongebob. No, let your student engage and be a part of what's happening. There's an activity sheet for them. They can kind of follow along. There's some things that they can color and, and helps them engage. They can fill in the blanks of the outline just like you are. And let's engage together as a family today. Well, this morning we're going to continue in a series that we've been in for a few weeks, a series that we're simply calling, Who Are We? We're processing through what we stand for as a church. We're laying the groundwork or rehashing the groundwork to rediscover what we discovered about six years ago as a church. You see, we sat together as a small congregation in this section right here, and we began to ask a series of questions trying to discover what is it that Bethel Assembly is all about. Why do we come to this building every Sunday? Why do we gather together numerous times a week to, to share the good news of Christ? What do we really stand for as a church? Well, in this series, we've talked about our, our mission statement. We've talked about our vision statement. We've also processed through the non-negotiables, which are, in fact, our core values Last week, I gave you the fourth of seven. Let me recap the first four very quickly. Number one, we value prayer. We believe in prayer. It was Jesus himself that said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We believe that we need to call upon God in all that we say and all that we do because if we don't have prayer, all that we're doing is being a social club that meets together a few times a week. We need that connection with the Father. Number two, we value unity. We need that time of working together, of getting to know one another, of working on the same page, moving forward for the same purpose. That does not mean that we will always agree on everything. Okay, understand that. Unity doesn't mean that we'll always agree on everything, but we have the same mindset and the same purpose, and we move together in that process. Number three, we value outreach. We believe that the church is not just to come in and f sit in these four walls and gather together and never make an impact on our community. We believe that we as a church, we as a body of believers, we as a family are called to reach outside of these walls to make a positive impact for Christ, not only in our community, but around the world. Amen? Number four, we value people. I told you last week that we're going to start a series in just a few weeks called Messy. Loving others isn't easy. How many of you would agree with me that sometimes loving others is not always easy? As we continue to reach out, as we continue to make an impact in this community, as we continue to invite people to come in, guess what? It may just get messy because we're going to reach people, and people sometimes are messy. <laughs> Anybody understand that? 
you don't believe that, then go with us and work kids camp just for one week. Dorm leaders at kids camp will testify, kids can be messy. Go to a college dorm room, go to your students, room. go to your house. I mean, we can be messy, right? But I'm not just talking about leaving things around. Sometimes situations are messy. Sometimes relationships are messy. Sometimes addictions are messy. Sometimes struggles are messy. Whatever it happens to be, life gets messy. But we value people. We believe that God has called us to reach beyond ourselves, to make an impact for the kingdom of God, to reach all types of people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes? Now this morning, I want to move into our fifth core value. We value family. This morning is going to look a little bit different than a typical sermon, look a little bit different than a typical message. Why? Because as you look around, there are several kids, and I'm going to involve them in the message this morning. But look at our text, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 29. It says this, those who bring, say it with me, trouble on their families will have nothing at the end. Those that bring trouble on their families will have nothing at the end. Let me ask you a personal question. What are you bringing to your family? Okay, got really quiet really quick. What what are you laying out for your family? What, What course of action are you presenting for your family? What lifestyle are you laying in front of your family? The Bible is very clear. If you bring trouble upon your family... You will inherit, you will gather, in the end you will have nothing. One translation says you'll just have air, nothing tangible to hold on to. But just for a moment, let's talk about the family. There are two sides to the family. First off, we could see our blood relatives, your spouse, your kids, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your grandchildren, whatever it may be. It's the, the blood relation, it's your kin, But there's also another side to the family. We call it the church. For us personally, it's Bethel Assembly. It's this body of believers that gathers together on a weekly basis. We are family. But as a society, for some reason or another, we have placed on the back burner the importance of the family. We have failed to see and even nurture and build the family units. Instead, we've destroyed the very foundation that the family was built upon. The foundation and the core of any society, grab a hold of this, the foundation and the core of any society is in fact the family. Why? Because the family is the healthy development of knowledge, of wisdom, of relational skills, of morality, of the correct view of authority, of of stable emotions. It's the development of a work ethic and responsibilities. It's the core development of honesty and integrity and and trust. And, And the list goes on and on. Family is vitally important. This morning, for us to really truly understand family, I wanted us to take just a moment. I want us to hear from some of our kids because we ask them, What is family? We ask them, how do you go about loving one another? How do you show that kind of love to one another? Why do we even need the family? Let's find out what our kids had to say. Um, 
like if you're sad or something, they can help you. It's something that helps take care of you. Family means a lot to me. Um, pretty much everything. Family means that if you're ever in trouble or something bad happens in your life, your family is there for you. Family is the people who you care about and love about. People that we should be close to and that uh, we should we should be friends with and just that be the family that God wants us to be. People you, you share time with and people you should care about. By bringing them to church. By loving uh, your family like God loves us. I can show love to my family by um, being there for them whenever no one else is. By sharing stuff and loving them. Well, I could show love to my family by life and loving them. Because God designed a family to love everybody like, like family. Because they give you support in the darkest times and they will always be there for you. Family is important because they keep you company and, you, and they listen to you. So they can take care of you so you can be safe. Mom and Dad, let me ask you that same question. What is family? How can you go about showing love to your family? Why is family even important? It's easy for us as adults to kind of get to that place where we, we go through the motions, we get up and kind of go through the routine, and we never really put into our mindset why our family is important. Mom and Dad, did you know that you have a responsibility of raising your child up, of, of training them and teaching them and, and showing them how to be a good adult? How to be a, a benefit to society? How to make a positive impact? What does family look like for you? You see, the fragmentation of family is causing an enormous problem in our society today, whether you believe that or not. Several years ago, a report was given by a nonpartisan organization of academics and, and public policy experts and, and family experts. And in this report, they discovered that they devalue of the, of the family, the fragmentation of the family has caused several negative effects. Let's look at what those are. The first is this, a 500% increase of juvenile violent crime. Anybody else see that as a problem? 500% increase. Guess what? Juvenile violent crime becomes adult violent crime. 
And then we begin this vicious cycle over and over and over again. The second teenage suicide rate has tripled. Not slightly increased, but tripled. And they said this is an effect, this is a result of the falling apart of, the devaluing of the family units. The eating disorders among adolescent girls has soared. Why? Because the devaluation of the family. The poverty rate for children has increased from 15 to 22 percent in America. We also discovered that this current generation of children and youth is the first in our nation's history to be less well, well off psychologically, socially, economically, and morally than the family at the same age as their parents the same age many years ago. The study blames this shift away from values and the institution of family and of marriage. They believe that we have shifted from the valuing of the family into the, the value of individualism and the choice of personal liberty. In other words, selfishness and stubbornness is killing our family and killing our nation. We make statements like, well, whatever's best for me is what I'm going to do. I've got to think about myself before I think of anybody else. But here is what I've discovered. The family will either prepare and equip the child to be able to reach their fulfillment, or it will cripple and inhibit the child as it leads them into adulthood. I, I want to say that again because some of you are a little glassy-eyed right now. The family will either prepare and equip the child to be able to reach their fulfillment or it will cripple and inhibit the child as it leads them into adulthood. What role are we going to allow the family to play? Not only at home, but here as a church. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, there's a story that, that oftentimes we call the prodigal son. Now, to help me illustrate this story this morning, I'm going to call upon several of our students, our children, to come help me. Now, you can read this story in its actual layout in Luke chapter 15. Now, we're going to have a little fun with it today. We're going to kind of tweak it just a little bit and if you allow me to do that, it'll be a lot of fun. I need some students' help. I need some kids' help. I need one, two, three, four boys. Four boys. There's one. There's two. There's three. Four. Right back here. Four boys. Come on up. Come on, boys. And I'm going to give you all jobs in just a moment. I need one, two, three, four, five girls. Five girls. There's one. There's two. There's three. There's four. I need one more girl, one more girl, one more girl anywhere. There you go. Come on. Girls, come up. Oh, I need about four more people. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now I need about five more. No, four more should do it. There's one. I need three more. There's two. I need two more. There's three. I need one more. One more, one more, one more, one more. I need a hand. Someplace, somewhere, anywhere. Pastor Andy, that's you. Come on. <laughs> that was fun. All right, so I'm going to give you jobs real quick. Let's see. Oh, I need 
Pastor Andy, you get to play dad. Your name is Mr. Diggle. Everybody say, hey, Mr. Diggle. I need a boy. Are you guys boys? Yeah, you're a boy. Okay. You are going to be the son. All right, you ready? You ready to be a son? Go, go say hi to your dad. There he is. He's, you, you can go over, stand by him if you want. All right. I need, let's see. I need three little pigs. Claire wants to be a pig. All right. Claire, if you want to put, oops, put that nose on. You want to be a pig? Put the nose on. Who else wants to be? Oh, you want to be a pig? All right, put the nose on. Perfect. Let's see. I need someone to be Mr. Citizen. Will you be Mr. Citizen? All right. I've got a couple things for you. Two containers of pig slop. All right, if you hold on to those for just a moment. Let's see. I need some partiers. I need four partiers. Two boys and two girls. Do I have two boys left? Let's see, two boys. All right, one, two. I need two girls. You guys will share those. You guys are partiers. And who's left? Raise your hand if you're left. All right. <laughs> your nose is upside down, crazy girl. That's the craziest looking pig ever. All right, who, who's left? Who doesn't have a job yet? All right, you are my crowd. All right, you're my crowd. So here's what I need you to stand. If you are dad or son, come over here. If you are a partier, come to the middle. And if you, have no, if you have no job and you're part of the crowd, come to the middle. If you are one of my three little pigs, come over here and stand right over here. All right, are we ready? Oops, I've got another water for our partiers. Here you go, partiers. Hold on to that. All right, are we ready? No, 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 are we ready? Now, I need your help. There are going to be times when you've got to participate in this. Kids, are you ready to help me act this out? Yeah. All right, here goes our story. Once upon a time, there lived a man by the name of Mr. Diggle. He was known all over town, and everybody loved him. Everywhere he went, people blew him kisses. <laughs> blow him kisses. Everywhere he went, they gave him high fives. Come on, walk through here, let me give him high fives. People loved Mr. Diggle. Now, Mr. Diggle had two sons, and we're going to see one of his sons today. The first one was a tennis pro. I mean, he could play tennis like the best of them. So for today's story, we're going to call him Pro. Everybody say, hey, Pro. Hey, so he began to walk around, giving all of the greatest tennis poses, <laughs> showing us how to swing a tennis racket <laughs> without hitting any other kids. But one day, Pro decided that he wanted to see the world. He went to his dad, and he held out his hand. Dad gave him a high five. But you see, that's not what Pro had in mind. Unless, of course, the five was $5,000. Dad finally figures it out, and very sadly, he grabs all of the, the family's inheritance, and he passes it on to his son, leaving it in the money bag. <laughs> P 
pro gladly takes the money bag from his dad. He looks at his dad and he says, see you later, alligator. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> Say it real loud. Peace out, Girl Scout. And Pro begins to walk through town singing his favorite little song. Let's get a microphone for this. <laughs> singing his favorite little song, I am Pro. Singing it really loud for all to hear, I am pro. I am pro. I'm Diggle's son. I'm Diggle's son. I've got my daddy's money. I got my daddy's money. And now I'm on the run. Now I'm on the run. All right. As he began to walk through town, two partiers saw Diggle, I'm sorry, sorry, saw pro and ran to him. Two partiers, two partiers, run to him real quick. As he walked a little further, two girls, hey, 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 saw this boy with all the money. He was a tennis pro, and they joined him as well. And the partiers began to sing their favorite song, He is Pro. He is Pro. He's Diggle's son. He's got his daddy's money. And now he's on the run. And after this great performance, the crowd went wild. And they were so excited that four adults got up and ran to the stage. And two more adults, and one more adult came to the stage. Another adult came to the stage, and Chandler joined them. And they ran to Pro, and they picked him up in the air. And they sang their favorite song, He is Pro. He's Diggle's son. He's got his daddy's money. And now it's time for fun. Wow, the crowd went crazy. Pro got so excited that he opened the money bag. He threw down his racket because he didn't have three hands. He opened his money bag and he began to throw money around wildly to the people behind him. And soon the crowd found out that Pro had no more money. And one by one, they began to whisper to one another, Pro is broke. He is broke. And then they sang their new favorite song, He is Pro. He's, pro. He's Diggle's son. son. He used to have money. But now he's got none. And the crowd moved this way. Because they're blocking the pigs. <laughs> As Pro walked through town, a man by the name of Mr. Citizen saw him. Mr. Citizen began to feel very sorry for Pro, and he asked Pro this question. Boy? Boy? Do you want a job? Do you want a job? You can slop with the pigs. You can slop with the pigs. 
And Pro said, sure, man, I'll do that. Sure, man, I'll do that. All right, let's get rid of this stuff. All right. And Pro takes the, the slop from the buckets, and he dumps it in front of the pigs. And the pigs were so excited that they began to eat it. I mean, really eat it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Claire, you don't have to eat it. And then Pro looked at the pigs and he thought, yum. Yum. I'll eat some of that. I'll eat some of that. And Pro joins them. But then it came to Pro's attention that if he just went home, he could be better off than he is now. So Pro jumped to his feet. He looked far and wide, and he said to himself, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. So he began to run home, and then he stopped, because he ran out of stage. <laughs> and there stood Diggle. Diggle looked at his son, and he was so excited that he froze in his tracks. But then he began to move slowly forward to his son. Face this way. Oh, turn, 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 turn. Here we go. And when he got to his son, he reached out and he gave him a big kiss or a hug. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. And then he sang his new favorite song. He is pro. He is pro. He's my son. He's my son. Now that you're home. Now that you're home. The party's begun. The party's begun. The crowd stood and they cheered. Those on stage surrounded Pro, and they gave him a great big hug. All right, thank you guys. Come on, give our helpers a hand. All right, Pastor Andy is going to collect all of the props here real quick, guys. 2.5K. One of the boys just said, I had 2.5K. It's awesome. All right, thank you kids for your help this morning. Now, hopefully we learned something. We're going to talk about the family very quickly. Let's kind of get reset. By the way, if you have a pig snout, if you can get that back to me at some point. Well, hello. Thank you so much. Are you going to help me preach? You're going to help me preach? You, all right. I'll tell you what. You can help me next time, okay? All right. Bye. Here you go, Pastor Andy. Now, hopefully you learned something in that story. And here's what I discovered from this story. The family is vitally important. In our story, we had Mr. Diggle and we had Pro, and it, it was a family that was dysfunctional. It was a family that was falling apart. It was, it was disintegrating. In fact, it had completely broken. But in the end of the story, we saw that family unit was restored. And I believe that's what God wants to do in families and lives right here today. I want to take just a moment, I want to look at the family. You see, there are times that we take family for granted. Maybe it's family in our household. Maybe it's family here in the church. But I want you to listen very carefully. We need one another. Let me say that again. We need one another. I need you. You need me, you need the person on your left and the person on the right. You need the individual that attends the other service. 
We need one another. Why? Because we together are family. So this morning, I want to look at three aspects of the family. Number one is this. You are part of the family. You are part of the family. There are some of you in the room today that you feel like the outcast. You feel like the third wheel. You feel like you don't belong to your family. Maybe you feel like you don't even belong to the church or to this body of believers. I want you to understand something today. You are part of the family. Romans 5, 8 tells me this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He sent Jesus to die while we were separated from the family. Come on, listen to that. While we had divided ourselves, while we were not grafted into the family yet, while we were distant away from the family, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary for us. Why? Because God believes in family. What does that mean for you and me? It means that without Jesus in our lives, we are spiritual prodigals. We are spiritually lost. We're running around aimlessly without a defined purpose or even a connection. In other words, we're spiritually lost. But here's the good news. We, like the prodigal son in the story we just watched, we don't have to stay lost. We don't have to remain in the pig slop. We don't have to eat the remains of what life has to offer. God has given us an opportunity. He has made a way to graft us into this thing that we call the family, the body of Christ. It's like the prodigal son that ran off and squandered his money. Many of us, even here today, are watching online, are, are squandering the life that God has given us. We're missing, we're missing out, missing the points, missing the purpose of what God has in store for us. But like the dad, Mr. Diggle, in our story, God is waiting with open arms to embrace us and to celebrate with us. Some of us are saying to ourselves, well, one of these days, somewhere down the road, I'm going to give my life to Christ, but I've got to get everything right first. I've got to get myself in a right place first. Did you see what happened with Pro? He found himself over here eating the pig slop with the most adorable little pigs I've ever seen in my life. He was over here eating the pig slop, and suddenly it dawned on him. If he just went to the Father, if he just returned to the Father, I want you to know today you may find yourself in the midst of the pig slop. You may find yourself hanging out in all the junk of this world. But God is calling you to join the family because we together are family. The problem is we're not really living the life that God's created us to live. He laid out a, a rich and satisfying life for us. Yet for one reason or another, you have chosen to remain in the pig slop because in your mind, this is fun. Can I be honest with you? Yes, sin is fun for a season. 
But I shared with you earlier, the wages of that sin is death. Separation from God for all eternity. So maybe you're here and you've been in that place of pig slop for so long and now you feel all alone. Luke chapter 15 verse 7 tells me this. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let me read that again. There's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner. What does that mean? There's a celebration in heaven when you return, when you come back, when you allow God to graft you in to this thing that we call the family. We are family. Now, don't misunderstand me. God does not want you to walk away so you can come back so he can celebrate. But he rejoices when that which was lost, that which has wandered off, returns to him. The second discovery that we've made this morning is this. Not only are you part of the family, but we are part of the family. The dad looked at the son and he said this. We must celebrate with a feast. He said we must gather together. We must celebrate over and over and over in the Bible. We see reference after reference of the importance of the family. We need one another in times of celebration. We need one another in times of despair. We need one another in the good times of life and in the, the bad times of life. You see, if you read a little further in the story, there's a second son that we didn't see in our story. When Pro returns home and, and finds Mr. Diggle, there's a second son standing on the sidelines and he's upset. He had lost focus of what the family is all about. He failed to see the bigger picture. What is that bigger picture? We need one another. Dad looks at the other son. He says, you've been here the whole time. My son was dead. And now he's alive. See, there are going to be times as we're reaching into this community. There are going to be times as we're reaching into the lost and they're coming into the church that they may get a little more attention than those that have been here for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Why? Because they were once dead. They're now alive. We've got to reach out. We've got to love them. We've got to embrace them together because we are all part of the family. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God takes the family seriously? Come on. Do you believe that God takes the family seriously? Proverbs chapter 6 tells me he does. He says, there are six things the Lord hates. No, there are seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness that pours out lies. Let me pause. Right there, we were all like, come on, somebody. That's right. But then we get to that last one, and we get awful quiet. A person who sows discord in the family. 
There are six things God hates. No, there are seven that he detests. And the seventh thing is the individual, the person who sows discord in the family. The family at home and I believe also the body of Christ. Why do we value family? Because the Bible is very clear. The family unit is vitally important. We were made for community. We were made for one another. It's not good, the Bible says, for man to be alone. We need our family. The Lord detests. He hates when we drive a wedge in our family. Mom, Dad, you have a responsibility to raise your son or your daughter in the way of the Lord. Teach them responsibility. Teach them the value of hard work. Teach them the positive, to become a positive addition to society. Teach them about respect. Teach them about the foundational truths of God's Word. Don't allow society, the school, or even the church to take on that responsibility. That's your role. Now listen carefully. We have your kids for about an hour and 15, maybe an hour and 30 minutes a week. I didn't do the math, but you have them the rest of the time, which is a whole lot more than an hour and 15 to hour and 30. Right? Don't allow all that they learn about God's Word to be here. Don't allow all that they learn about life to be established here. Don't allow the secular school by the way, we've got a great school, but don't allow the school to raise your child. You have a responsibility. 1 Timothy 5.8 lays it out pretty strong. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than the unbelievers. One translation says they're worse than the heathen. We have a responsibility to invest in the lives of our family, to love them, to support them, to assist them, but not to enable them to self-destruct. We're to be that hope and that foundation. We need to realize that we are to work together as a body. We are to work together as a family to support one another. I stated it earlier, the family will either prepare and equip the child to be able to reach their fulfillment, or it will cripple and inhibit the child as it leads them into adulthood. We are family. We need one another. Let's look at our third discovery. God is part of the family. You see, we can, we can try to do this thing by ourselves. We can try this marriage thing by ourselves. We can try this parenting thing by ourselves. We can try this family thing by ourselves. But can I be honest with you? It's hard enough. Why not tap into the one that already knows the answer? Anybody else discover that that sometimes marriage is hard. I don't know about you guys in the house, 
but I don't always understand my wife and she doesn't always understand me because guys think differently than girls. <laughs> One of the ladies just said, praise God. We think differently. One of my favorite books is men, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. It's so true. Man, guys, we compartmentalize everything. We have to finish this box before we can get over here. But our wives are like that plate of spaghetti. Everything is connected. Right? I mean, they can say, well, I got up this morning, and as I, as I was getting ready for work, oh, speaking of work, don't let me forget that when we get to work, we need to make sure that we make that phone call. Oh, I got I, I to gotta call the school for Lauren. Oh, speaking of Lauren, did you know that Friday night she's going to a friend's house? Oh, speaking of friends, I've got some... Gr- I'm still on, I got up this morning. (laughs) Right? We are so different, but we need one another. Why not connect with God? Why not let God be a part of the family? Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says this. Fathers to the fatherless. Defender of widows. This is God, whose dwelling is holy, God places the lonely in families. Today you feel fatherless. God's here for you. You're a widow and you feel all alone. God's here for you. Life isn't going the way you thought it was going to go and you feel all by yourself. It's amazing that you can be around hundreds, if not thousands of people every day and still be lonely. You're lonely today. You got two things going for you. First off, you got God. Second off, you have us. You never have to walk alone. You never have to be by yourself. God the Father is waiting for you to join the family today. He wants to invite you to be a part of this thing called the family. He wants to graft you in. The Bible tells me that God desires that no one No one misses out on this opportunity of this family relationships. He wants everyone to come to know him and join his family. But maybe you've grown up without a positive father figure in your life. God desires to be that father for you. He's a father to the fatherless. Isaiah 64 says this. You, Lord, You are our Father. We are nothing but clay, but you are the potter. See, just as earthly parents have the role, and we discussed it a moment ago, of of forming and molding and, and shaping our children into what they're going to be as adults, if we allow Him to do so, God wants to do that in our lives today. So I ask you, will you return to the family. Maybe you found yourself running off and you're, you're eating the pig slop. Maybe your family has become dysfunctional. Maybe there's struggles in your household. Will you let our Heavenly Father mold your family, mold you to craft you and make you what He wants you to be? You see, we value family. Because the moment you give your life to Christ, you have the opportunity to be a part of something so much larger than yourself.
we join this community that we call the church, Bethel Assembly. You see, it's time for us to allow God to mold our family.